enough harus tunggu. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, Dr. Price, <laughs> where you just don't know what's going on in the background, but praise God, something is. Yeah. <laughs> are you ready to tell them about what you what you are doing? Yes, but we need to go live on social media first. Okay. Well, hello, Block Talk Radio. We are glad again. We always celebrate you because you're the eldest. You're the firstborn of my social media world. Yes. And so I want to say welcome. Thank God for you. Are we live? Yeah, go Okay, they say we're live. Going live. Going live. Yes. Going live. All right. Okay. I'm enjoying it. We are live. Hi, live. Paul Price World. I'm live, too. I'm getting good stuff for you guys, you know? Oh, Lord. Yeah. He's asking a question. We know the answer, too. <laughs> no, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's new with Dr. Paula Price in the world, Dr. Paula Price? Two things are coming to you, one today, one this weekend. Uh, what's coming to you this weekend is the Soul of Success Clinic. Clinic! Dr. Price has been teaching these last few weeks on the Soul of Success, watching mm-hmm. your words yeah. and so many other things. Sunday after church, to those <laughs> of us who are here in Tulsa, we got to have a closed session and Q&A lab. And so we are putting that up online this weekend for you to enroll in Mm -hmm. through her own teachable site. Yes. It won't be on the Price University site. It'll be on her own teachable site for you to enroll in those lessons and get that information for your life. Yes. If you are here in Tulsa, you need to enroll. One time is never enough. I know, that's right. Thinking that, well, I was there, and so that should be good, and I took good notes, never enough. Because faith and hearing by the the word word of God. And not taking notes. Hello. So you have to hear it again and again and again. So be on the lookout for how you can enroll in that this weekend. Mm -hmm. I am working, working, working. (laughs) <laughs> to get her done, okay? Yeah, and I've been pushing her. Yes, well, you know, we push each other. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's do it. And, and now, the fun project, you had, your prayers are being answered. You have cried for it. <laughs> you have asked for it. You have begged for it. Where can we get our hit? What? You missed that. The drama? Yeah, just a little bit. Okay. So I just see dramatic moments. You know, allow her to have her moments where she must cut up. I have to. It's in the job description. Cut up. Cut up. Intermittently. Yes. Okay. And so we went and pulled out all of the cassette tapes mm-hmm. from Dr. Price's archives that we have in Tulsa. And we're pulling them out. I think we have around 700 tapes. And some of them are duplicates. And some of them are backups 
to CDs. Once the CD movement moved in, we still <laughs> kept we still kept a, an audio cassette tape back background um, backup because we didn't trust technology. And at that time, it was very new and it was untrustworthy. We don't trust it today. We don't. Topic. We That's don't. Right. But we don't back it up on mm-hmm. cassettes anymore. So we have volumes and stacks and boxes of tapes that we are going to you can see well you can't see the team is in the room like yes Yes. we are so what we're doing is we are converting those tapes and what we're having every week we're presenting to you is the audio archive of the week (laughs) i like a new audio archive every week it will it's not just going to be available for a week it will be in the e-store up until but we're rolling out a new one every week so today's audio archive of the week is let's just talk Defining and exploring dreams and visions. Well, what's Let's Just Talk? Let's Just Talk is the first television show that Dr. Price had in the early 2000s. But before we took it to television, we met in the hotel, actually, uh, where we used to have our events, the Crown Plaza, which used to be the Hilton Hotel. Well, it used to be several things, but (laughs) the Hilton, when we were there, every Friday night. We would go, college kids, people around town would show up. Dr. Price would bring a, a message, a messageette, yeah. a, a teaching, and then she would take Q&A from the audience. The point was question and answer time. So I think your message was like maybe 15 minutes, maybe, maybe 30. Depending on how fired up I was yes. about the subject. Yes, you know, yes. Because some days I was just, wow. Yes, she was lit. Yes. And so we're pulling those and, and getting the list of the hot – Hot, hot topics mm. that you will love and scream about. And so this first one is let's just talk defining and exploring dreams and visions. Okay, so Dr. Price addresses the church of the future, which would be now, because this was from the year 2000. <laughs> Good. So this is 19 years Ooh. ago. Uh, why psychics can tell the future and defining the difference between a dream and a vision. Now, she addresses all this in 15 minutes. I want you to know. <laughs> and then the questions that she answered from the audience include, what does it mean when you're singing in a dream? Uh, what is a presumptuous or fleshly dream? Let me tell you something right here. That answer to that question Oh yeah, you're gonna mess with took you know, me right. down the street. If I wasn't working, I would have paused, taken some notes, did some research, and some Bible teaching. Like, wait, what? How your heart can warp and manipulate your dreams into convincing you that it's God. Yeah. That's what she answers, and and, uh, I would say reveals in that question. She also answers about uh, dreams involving marriage, meaning death, meaning uh, having someone having a baby, meaning death, and how familiar spirits show up in your dreams. All of this is in a 45-minute <laughs> segment because the whole night's like two hours. So it's just 45 minutes that blew my mind. And I was there the first time. But, you know, I've been in a lot of I was there since then. Yeah, you have, though. You know, you've been around. But... <laughs> and so it's, it's $9.99, digital download. There is a disclaimer at the beginning letting you know and reminding you this is converted from an analog cassette tape. So don't look for Which means you will have some white noise. You remember analog? Anybody remember analog cassettes? A little bit of white noise under there. There might be some intermittent distortion because this 20-year-old tape. <laughs> but overall, the overwhelming majority, we're not going to put anything on the market that you just can't get anything out of. The overall, it does not uh, disrupt 
as far as, I don't know what she's saying and I can't hear it, but you need to go in understanding that. We don't need emails and lectures about excellence and quality and yeah. whatever. Because the are, always going to scold you. They are. Right. Don't send us any scolding emails. No scolding emails. Okay? None. 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 We want to get Don't the information scold. out there. This is the quality that we have. This is the quality that was available. Mm-hmm. We're not Sony with digitally remastered technology at this time. I'm sure we will at some point. But we want to get the word out to you as quickly and as professionally as possible. So it is edited. Because you don't let anything clean. go out that is not yes. edited. Now, you know, we, we do our best. Now, if you feel like you could, we could do better, we will, you can send your seeds to, and we will say, this is do better seeds. This is do better. We right? are open for do better seeds. Or we are technology. Open technology seeds. We're open for whatever that you think you want to do. There are people listening to us right now who have a burden for things like this, yes. and you don't know where to put your, your kids. Or, or, or to gift your burden. See, because there's a way that you have to gift your burden, not just give spiritual gifts. And so you don't know where to gift your burden with it right now. And you can say, you know what, Dr. Price, I know that this is good ground. I listened to you. I followed you. My life has changed. And you can say, I'm going to be the one to take on that burden for you. Yes. See, because I'm looking for burden bearers, not just seed sowers. I love seed sowers. Of course we do. But burden bearers take it through to the end. I like that. And so then, and they get so they get a alpha omega first and last beginning and end harvest. I'm a living witness. Harvest, and I'm telling you. So some of you all want to do that. That's fine. But nevertheless, this material is worth whatever ear adjustments you must make. Oh God, it is so good. I'm telling you. I just have to say, okay, because it's just so good. I mean, Rachel's back here. She is lighting up my text message because. Converting cassettes, you have to do it in real time. So you have to There's listen. no yeah, so you you're gonna listen to it. No and we have our listening lab set up. She has two systems so we can get this done. We're drafting other people in our ministry as well and we'll be ripping CDs, but to, to go back, she said, I got free. She told me, I got free from this thing right here listening to that. So that'll be next week. Wow. Next, what, what is it called? called The Economy of the Spiritual Prostitute. The Economy of the Spiritual Prostitute. Yes. But that's next week. That's next this week. This week is, let's just talk, defining yeah, and exploring <laughs> dreams and visions. You know, um, two things I'd like to say before I get into my subject of today, which I think kind of dovetails a little bit off of this. Great. The first thing I want to say is that you know, um, I've often been, which is crazy, but I want to say it because I'm speaking to you. I've often been told that our generation doesn't touch the millennials. I don't reach millennials. Millennials can't hear me. Well, first of all, I've done my best work with millennials. I'm going to tell you right now yeah. because I had over 200 students from Oral Roberts University oh, yeah. running, uh, walking across the street every Friday. They, you, they were pre-millennials. Now they're millennials. Gen X. Gen X, they were, and they came, they brought their friends, oh, yeah. they had their questions, I answered all of their questions, they asked about everything, you name it, because you know college kids, they got to know everything now, they don't yeah. want to wait until they get a degree, no, I no. want to know now, and they came over, some of them are still watching on my broadcast now. They'll check in and let me know, yeah, because we learned this and we learned that. We did Let's Just Talk every Friday night. And every Friday night, either before or instead of going out and hanging out, 
dozens and dozens of them sat with us. We would go at it. It was wonderful. We had, oh, my God, we, we, it was like amazing. She was one of those. She was the camera girl. No, you're the mic girl. Mike girl. She was the mic girl. She was the mic girl. Things haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, you did grow into it. Notice I said into it, not yes, out of. Yes. <laughs> and so she's the mic girl. And she's running and she's going back and forth and she's doing all of this. My daughter would just tell, tell folks they'd come. They would come and they'd oh, stay. Oh, but can I say? Yes. Okay, so this is how marketing was done back then. There's yes. no social media. So <laughs> we would, this is what I knew Dr. Price was different. Seriously, we would uh, go to her house and took tapes, duplicated promo tapes. Yes, what we did. And she created and printed off paper labels, cardstock, mm-hmm. to wrap around. And we got the little button Velcro yes, that you could still buy in a craft store yep. and put it on there. And we went to campus and would slide the tapes under the doors. And so, so we would leave them around town. We'd leave them around town. We'd just leave stuff everywhere. And so people would play the tape and come show over up. to Friday night. And, some, and most time they came over to dispute me. Because, you know, you got a, I got a, this a wonderful, absolutely love that. Well, we put the controversial yeah. stuff out there. Yeah, we do. And so they would just, <laughs> they would, they'd argue with me, you know, about um, everything, Bible, whatever. And a lot of them not only got saved, a lot of them got cleaned. Yes. A lot of them. And because they came to school for wisdom, so it didn't bother them that I was intellectual and that they were getting wisdom. See, that bothers people who just go to church. Oh, very good. But people who go to school come to have their brains, you know, exercised and challenged. So it was wonderful. We, I mean, and, and we did, um, you know, we had a couple of events for them and whatever. But what I liked was that we, we made the rounds in that university. Yes. You know, because they asked the questions. They asked. They didn't. There was no assumption. And again, you know, we had some tough ones. I like tough ones. That was okay. Yeah, what I, I don't like is the ones that just are, are, are just obstinate. You know, you get those obstinate ones that just before you can even say they have heard that you say ah they finished the sentence. They the punctuators. They're always at the end of the sentence. But we had good kids, good young people, and eventually some of their you know because we were making such a, a a splash, some of their um, professors came or some of their teachers or some of their executives came or the, what is the RAs came. We had mm-hmm. I mean we really did a great work on that campus. With let's just talk where God makes sense, and that's what it was. Let's just yeah. talk where God, God makes sense. sense, and so we're, we, you know, we we we're kicking around something similar to that. And trust me, they weren't all saved. A lot of them were. Oh, are you? Because their mother made them. Daddy forced them. Absolutely. They ain't believe in Jesus no more than the devil. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and one of our best nights we had was a community night. KJ Five Two. Yes. Came. She. I like that guy. Yeah. And this was. Five seconds before he went huge, huge. So he was making his rounds. He was doing whatever. He was very good we had a connection in a school who said, this guy is going to love Dr. Price. He came in. He did a concert. And then we sat down mm-hmm. and did Let's Just Talk. And he and Dr. Price sat down. We had a lot of rappers in the church anyway yeah. uh, from the campus. And they were asking him questions. He was fielding them, Dr. Price. They mm-hmm. were working very well together. And years later, of course, you meet Dr. Price you don't forget. Yeah, he still so, remembers it. Yeah, so he still remembers Dr. Price. Uh, but, but so this thing has, has potential yeah. to go. That's what everywhere. we did. And, and the beautiful part about it was that I, you know, I, you, you bring in a rapper to be on a panel with me, you got like, you know, and I want you to know 
I don't I haven't heard from him in a while, but I don't think there's been a great change. He was so rooted. But yeah, that young so. man loved Jesus Christ. He talked about they were given they were I mean shooting questions at him about secular, sacred. They were shooting questions at him about um uh, including Jesus, not including Jesus, all of that. And I want you to know that man that young man gave a stellar performance. Yes, I still remember. Yes. And I told him, I said, I don't know when we'll work together again, but if the Lord be willing, we're going to do this again. Because that man held up the banner, the standard, and the brand of Jesus Christ. And so it was really great because the rappers were at that point, you know, they were all, should they have vulgarity? You know, they were lost. You know, lost folk are just pick up anything. You ever notice that lost people yes. just pick up anything yes. because they have no, because they're lost, they have no place for it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but he was an amazing guy. We had some young rappers in there that were really, really good. And then we had some that just didn't care about it. All I know is I want to make it. I just want to make it in the world. I want to make it. And you could tell that they would not because they wanted to make it pimping Jesus Christ. And Jesus was like, no, I'm not going to, no, no, no. I'm not doing that. But we had a great, I mean, we had some nights where I'm telling you, I would sit there and say, where are these people getting these questions from God? You know, but I, she loved it so well. Yes. Yes. Baby, I'm telling you. And so, but but that was our campus work. And I've done campus work before. You know, when people talk about young people, I used to do, um, I used to do uh, talks at fraternities and sororities, frat house. One of, one, and, and that was when I was really, in my early days, one young man said, I just think that we need to hear this. I don't know whether they have brought me there to stun stun the world, and I don't know. But we had a blast that day. And they also were the same. Because people, I don't care how public most people are. I won't say all people because, you know, we are wheat and tares. But people genuinely want to know why they're in the planet. Yes. And the second thing they want to know is, does anybody know I'm here? And the third thing they want to know is, is there a God? And the fourth thing they want to know is, does he hear me? Does he know I'm here? And no, no matter how we filtered those questions, ultimately we came down. And then the, the whole hub of all of those questions is, what's going to happen tomorrow? Can I find out today what tomorrow will be? Mm-hmm. See, so when we did those things, you know, that's why you have psychics booming, because they're telling you, you know, hey, they're giving you information you cannot get in this world. Out of the greatest intelligence network in the world cannot tell you tomorrow with 100% accuracy and clarity. They'll say, well, this is going to happen, but we always have to put those disclaimers in there, barring the unforeseen. Mm-hmm. Well, if nothing jumps up, but what would a soul give to know emphatically tomorrow's news today mm-hmm. with comprehension, with definition, descript- everything? See, because we just give you statements, but God knows how it's all going to start and finish in all of the characters and players in the midst. Mm. See, because we can tell you you're going to get a new car, and, and you hear that, and you're like, yay, getting a new car. That's great. Somebody could have heard you in the store, bathroom, whatever, and said you're going to car shopping and your credit's good. So we can prophesy that with certainty. Come on. 
Yeah. Uh, but what can we prophesy with certainty that only comes from the realm of God? Because, see, when a psychic gives you a word, they can give you that word because that thing is already mobilized in the soul realm. That's why it's psychic. She said, I'll talk about that in dreams and visions. There, there you go. I just sold you on getting them. And so the reason that I'm taking this time is because I want you to understand that God is not for any single generation. Oh, come on. Say God that. is for all generations, all nations, all peoples, kindreds, tribes, and tongues. God is for everyone because everyone came from him. He knows your business. And the best part about it is that he conceals it to his advantage. Mm. I like the, there's a passage that says that the, the heart of a king is deep, but the wise will search it out. You cannot have futurism without wisdom. So as we go on into this, yeah, well, you know. This is, these are the things that we did. I told God, I said, I think I'm ready to do something, Lord. I don't know what it is, but I know that this generation needs it. Now, I realize that you're going to get the folks that are whatever, but we got pretty deep kids because some of these kids were like frat brothers and Karen on, you know, you get deep in frat. Oh, they yeah. came across the street. And then some of them just came from other parts of the city. And it didn't matter because we did it, we do it all the time. And we did it every Friday. And I'm telling you, they came with their Bibles. These are kids that didn't do Bibles, even if they came to argue with us about Bibles. Which is often the case. Yes. Young folk like to argue. I understand that. What I understand is I, I understand disputing. What I can't take is contention right? You know, and arrogance. But these folks, they would say, well, I just want to know. One guy, he would bring all of his philosophy questions because he was in philosophy. Bless his little heart. He's actually on this one as well. Yeah, he's on there too. Uh-huh. Oh, good. So you can see I've been at this a long, <laughs> long time, and I've been able to do this and maintain God's right and God's light for a very long period of time. And so today I'm pretty much like, well, let's just talk about it. What is it? You know, like, you know, you can ask a lot of things because one thing, wisdom, wisdom is not intelligence. That's why people can be wise and uneducated. And they can be wise and not as intelligent as that, that SAT champion or that genius. Because, see, a lot of times you hear people talk about geniuses and tell you they don't have common sense. They don't have everyday sense. Wisdom helps intelligence. Intelligence to be fruitful and reliable has to anchor itself in wisdom. Because God said wisdom is the principal thing. That means wisdom is the prince of all things. That means wisdom is a principality. It's a domain of the wise. That's why we have wisdom. And so I've done an extraordinary study on wisdom. I'm still waiting. Because a lot of things folk call wisdom is not wisdom. Sometimes we confuse wisdom with understanding. No, wisdom is, the, is understanding put to practical and profitable use. So you must have wisdom, because the Bible said the heart that has wisdom, let him understand. So you have to have whatever the structure, infrastructure of wisdom already in you and working for the wisdom 
of the Almighty to, to help you. Now, my, a lot of folks may lack wisdom, the wisdom of God, because you don't fear God. And the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you're so busy being bold, brave, brazen, and arrogant, you don't realize that you're getting the wisdom of this world. But because you, don't, you can't discern dark from light, you don't know that. Because there's a wisdom in this world. There's the wisdom based on darkness, Adam's fall, Satan's when you know, that kind of thing. But then the wisdom that is above. And the wisdom from above settles issues. doesn't breed controversy. The wisdom from above answers a question. It doesn't engender strife. Paul talks about that. So there is, you know, there are two domains of wisdom, like there's two domains of everything, you know, black, white, and then that middle, that midway where one is giving way to the other. You know, gray is one giving way to the other. Gray equals what's giving way to the light and what's giving way to the darkness. And the people say, I like that gray area means that they don't ever want it settled because they don't want to pay the consequences of one or the other. I remember when God first gave me a class on, you know, the common phrase, you know, every, everything is not black or white. Well, in God's world it is. But God has a gray area called earth. And the gray area is earth. The gray area in your being is your soul. And, and, and when you get saved, the whole big picture, the objective, I'm going to say picture, the whole objective is that you soul Fill your soul with the light of God that the gray becomes gradually brighter and brighter till there's no darkness in it. That's what purging and sanctification are all about. Because everybody's born with the gray soul because, or the black one, depending on who you are, everyone's born with the gray soul or black soul. And then that's what the new birth is about. And you have to do that with the word of God. There is no scrubber. There's no decontaminant. There's no cleanser better, stronger, or more efficacious than the blood of Jesus Christ. And your soul houses and circulates your blood, generates your blood. Because the blood is to make atonement for the soul, not the spirit. The blood of Jesus is to make atonement for the soul. It's to sanctify your soul. It's to cleanse your soul. You know, we have a whole, I have a whole uh, brand here called Soul of Success. And I've been working it, give or take, about 10 years. I've done the Soul of Success. Because your soul has to have the power to succeed. And most souls are not even constructed for success. And unless you're coming from very uh, successful, highly uh, intelligent parents or highly astute, et cetera, parents, you really don't have it. So you need the blood of Jesus. You need the, the Lamb of God. So we have a whole soul of success um, center that we're, where we're launching within maybe a few, few months or so. And it's called the Paula Price Soul of Success, where the soul of success system that I have established, put in place, and you all meet the fruit, is now going to be open and offering services to whosoever will. Because the Bible has David saying, as a king, you restore my soul. And if you don't have soul restoration, you can succeed all day long with your gifts, talents, and opportunities. You will still be a wreck in life. 
Most people know that. And the, the, your best time in life, the most cohesive part of you, the most uh, uh, sensible and dynamic part of you is when you ply your craft, when you do your job. That's why so many people are workaholics, because there's nothing more productive, positive about them than doing their jobs. And when you have to go home, you're a wreck. House a wreck, kids a wreck, cars a wreck, everything's a wreck. And Satan is so good at making you feel comfortable and never, never developing yourself and, and foregoing self-development that he'll say, well, it's okay. The genius ought to be messy. I don't know why. He, he's now talked you into being your worst self out of work. And, and so you like, I'm not going to clean my, oh, this is it, that's it. Why do you think we have people coming to, coming to God crunchy? Crunchy clothes, literally crunchy clothes, tattered jeans, because he has so got you, gotten you to buy into what you feel and what you perform have nothing to do with each other. So many people... Many professionals, geniuses, stars, etc., they're kind of like borderline savants. They can do one thing well, but they can't handle the rest of their lives. That's a savant spirit. So when you go to work, you're a genius. When you go to work, you're smart. When you go to work, you're tight. You got it together, even though you might go there looking crunchy if your job allows it. But this whole idea that there's a separation between the exterior and the interior you, Is, is, is crazy. So now you have people saying, it doesn't matter what I wear. Yes, it, it, just because you can sell a bag of bread doesn't mean you can run a store or have a bakery. And so you're, selling part, you're just selling particulates of yourself. And you're selling people on your particulates and not your personhood. <laughs> See, this is what we do and we address. So everybody, and, and then they have this get on board, you know, because one thing that the, uh, the, the enemy relies on and the spirit of this world relies on is your sense of inferiority. The fact that you're okay with being your most inferior self outside of your work process, process I'll say, and your professional career says you, somebody else is writing your script. You bought into that. Somebody talked you out of feeling bad enough about yourself to make you better. Because when you, are, when you are internally together, you cannot tolerate being externally disarrayed or disordered. You can't take it. You just can't. Because, that in, because everything about life is a living, dynamic seed, force, agency, power, stream, and all of that. So when you are externally together, the fact that people are okay being sloppy and never trying to be their best self tells you that, that we are right now a population that has given up on itself. And you've given up on yourself because you're following someone else's description of what you should feel comfortable about. Now, God talks about that. He said it's like a dog going back to his vomit and a sow wallowing in her filth. Pig, why, where do you think we get pig stock? Because they don't mind. You know, and we'll talk about how bright a pig is, but a pig's still going to have a stock, and it's still going to be a wreck. I know some of you all are probably going to have deep issues with this, so I'm going to drink some coffee. Come on, get your cup. Yeah. 
because you have so followed the narrative of your diminisher that you've left no room for a different thought and for somebody else to change the script. So your soul is scripted by diminishers, which is why you can't clean up, why you can't get anywhere on time, why you start things and can't finish them, why you don't care about being disorderly or out of order. See, all of that is a soul script. You pick that up. And you pick that up because in the era before yours, that's what we held up. But when the mandate came from darkness to deinstitutionalize civil society and to bring society back into uncivility, uncivilization, too. That was because, I mean, we got politicians talking about we are uncivil. Now, you're a politician, politician, and you're telling me that you are uncivil. And you know what? Because it's a word you never heard before, you think it's a champion, just like disruption. You think that's a it's a word that you never heard before that was put in that that matched your inner dysfunctions. Because this is this. This means evil and bad. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. So this dysfunction. So you're you're excited. Well, we're disrupting because you pick up any term that makes any kind of sense to the to the self you created. Because you created a dysfunctional version of you. You allow someone's script to recreate you. And that recreation wouldn't be a problem if man was alone in the planet. Because then nobody would have a good or bad, right or wrong. But the, the issue is that humans are not alone in the planet. God has innumerable company of angels and principalities and powers and all of those things of right that see to it. The scripture says when a land gets too bad, that land will vomit you up. And so they write it so innocuously, the land will vomit you out. No, the spiritual agents of the land will dispossess you if that land is not doomed to desolation. So God would rather have a land desolate than utterly destroyed. See, that's your Bible. So it says the, the shields of the earth are the Lord's. So you got lion spirits telling you that they own this, and they don't. They're on assignment to filter what should be in the land from what shouldn't, what will keep a land alive and going, and what will destroy it, because they are the destroyers. They are dis- destruction hunters. That's why the more you destroy yourself, the more you feel good about it until it's too late. So the more you corrupt your soul, the happier you are. And that becomes corruption, becomes culture. How do we end up with a grunge era? And from that grunge era, we've got all of these people whose soul has been scripted for self-destruction. And you know it because you're saying, man, I I used to be better than this. I remember when I did so-and-so. I wasn't raised like this. My family's house like this. And when you go and tell the, the gurus, and the mind shapers of today, of this culture, those words, they'll say, yeah, but that was, that was um, you know, that was an institution. That was just, um, what do you call it, rigidity. That was religiosity. And everything is religion because the, the devil wants to tear down the Christian church. See, he don't care about religion. All the other religions, he owns those. Mm-hmm. That's why they're B.C., because he owns those. He's concerned about the religion he could never break for 2,000 years. And for 2,000 plus years, he couldn't, he couldn't break it, so he came with a new strategy saying, if you can't beat them, join them. 
And so he's joining Christians, not only as, as if he's part of them, but he's joining Christians to himself, to his failure, to his losses, to his doom, to his mortality, to his destruction, to his corruption and decadence. Think about all of the words now that are now that we grew up knowing meant destruction. Corruption. Now, if for them, it's great to corrupt your morals. Let's talk about destruction. Oh, if our job is to destroy that which was before this move, meaning was not before this was church and Christianity. I mean, it's not hard to put it together. You don't even have to be a genius to put it together. So Christianity is the problem. I keep telling you, and I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. Satan's issue is not your culture. It is not your ethnicity. His issue is so not your heart, your soul, your life in, in, on its own. His issue is Christianity, meaning his issue is Jesus Christ. Satan's problem is Jesus Christ. It is not your house, your wife, whatever. Those are all pawns, tools, instruments and weapons in his game. Stop walking around talking about it's about race. It is not about race because there is no race in hell. Just like there's no race in heaven. Hell takes all races happily. Death is not a, not a, a, a biased in, uh, um, entity. Death is all humanity. Death has one thing, clay. I got to get you out of clay so we can get you into the way you chose. Because when you start talking about what it is about, no, it's not. It's not about color. It's, the color is the use. Trust me, the most powerful person will always prevail, and it won't matter what the color is. People forgive your color when you're great. They forgive your ethnicity when you're great. They overlook it, and as a matter of fact, make a case for it instead of against it. So you, we all running around, especially Christians. I mean, I look at the Christian church, and I think, y'all, y'all need to go back and revisit some things. We got the black church, the white church, the Asian church, whatever. And y'all ain't got that in heaven? Trust me. We're all of humanity, God says, is from one blood. Now, I wish I could say that I knew this or felt this when I was a young woman coming up. I wasn't. I was raised in Newark. You know, we were just on the backside of the Jim Crow era, et cetera. We were all of that. I didn't know any better. But, you know, when you know better, you do better. And you can talk to God all day long about you just trying to keep the race pure. God is like, I'm trying to keep my race pure, and you are contaminating it with that. So your purity tactics are literally eroding my race. Those born from above, born again in Jesus Christ. You're not helping him. And so when God gets you there, you may do a great work as a good pastor who kept the races separated, who kept the people all apart and kept things pure because you thought it was for God. When you get to heaven, God will never use you in power because he already knows that you're a divisive soul and he's not going to let you divide his eternal realm because he's had that done once and he's never going to allow it again. So you can be proud of yourself. You can walk around, pat yourself on the back. You could even say we need it on earth even if we don't need it in heaven. This body goes back to the dust. What goes to God's realm is the heart that thought it was necessary. I just hit something. 
So you can walk around and talk about black Jesus, white Jesus. You can talk about Israel Jesus, Asian Jesus. You can do all of that, but I want you to understand you're judging him according to bodies that go back to the dust. When your body, it, when, when the, your body is, uh, once again, assimilated with the dirt, with the soil, and it goes to pick up another body, it picks up the what? The color and stuff comes from the parent's sperm. The dust could care less what color you are. It doesn't care. And so we, you might think you're helping God out. I know a lot of y'all talking about, we, well, we got, the, we got the black Jews. and No, you don't. Trust me. No, you don't. Because Abraham was from Babylon, which is like Persia. And they had all colors. We make a lot of assumptions. You make a lot of assumptions, but I just want you to understand that hell needs bigotry. Heaven needs unity. So I'm going to say that again because I want you to never forget it. Hell needs bigotry. Heaven needs unity. So all your little bigotries and biases and whatnot, hell loves it because it's fuel. It's the fuel that keeps its fires going. Why? Because hell is where God put his rage. So the things that he was upset about, bless his heart, don't you just love him? The things that he was upset about, the things that he didn't like, the things that he disposed of, what God calls eternal refuge, which is garbage, trash, he put in hell under his feet. Remember, the scripture said that very soon God's going to crush Satan under your feet. Well, what's under your feet? What's under God? And so God allowed his, his, his holy fire hallelujah, to be purged and separated itself from his enraged fire. Hell is not, you know, I know we like to talk about it all the time. There's no hell. Yes, it is. Hell is God's rage. That's where he put his rage so he wouldn't destroy his whole creation. He had to separate and quarantine his rage. Hell is the quarantine uh, region of God's rage. So you're gonna in hell you're gonna find all of the all of the sins that you love. You're gonna find them right there. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. You know, fornication, you're gonna love it. Hallelujah. Addictions, crime, you're gonna find all of that where? In God's rage, because it has an assignment. And that assignment has to be separated. That's what holy means. So God holified his rage by creating hell. Hell is not hell like creation. Creation is a person. We keep a person who has extended it to himself so much that he is everywhere and everything. But, you, you know, people keep, because I heard it. I don't know. We were, someone was telling me about Carlton Pearson talking on um, Today's Show, talking about there's no hell. I'm like, well, you ain't been there, so you don't know. But what you do know is that you're not 22. You're aging like everybody else. You're rotting away like everybody else. You're dec- every, every sign of hell is in the flesh. Hell has signatures. Because they have the death has got to keep deteriorating us to get us out of here if God isn't going to do so with a mortal blow. You don't regenerate. Your blood is whatever. I'm telling they can talk that trash all day long because it sounds good as ideology, and it sounds titillating as philosophy. But in reality, come on, because if you could stop yourself from getting old, you would. And you know the end of your elderliness, your old age is death, and and the end of your Corrupt soul is where God puts those that can't stand him. You understand, hell is where people who don't like Jesus go. 
Because it's like you. You're not going to bring somebody in your house that doesn't like you. You're not going to bring somebody in your company that doesn't like you. And so, and if you do so, it's foolishness. Like the Babylonians did not like Israel, yet Israel brought them into their capital state and through all of their secrets and, and their, uh, their treasures. Now, why would you do that with someone who doesn't like you? Because you know they're going to take it over. They're going to come and steal your secrets. So he was talking, about, I said, but he can't prove there's no hell. I have more proof that there's a hell than he has. I'm telling you. And so he said, the Bible, from what I heard, now this is what someone was sharing with me because, you know, folks got hot. Well, the Bible doesn't really say anybody was in hell. Jesus talked about worm dying not. How many times did he say that? If it's better for you to enter life, talk, whatever, than to enter hell, fires, whole, with all your limbs, all corrupted, whatever. And so when they told me that, I said, I don't even know how he can say that since Luke 19, excuse me, Luke 16 gives us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Abraham was in hell. Abraham went to hell. David went to hell. Everybody went to hell immediately except Enoch and Elijah. Jesus went to hell. So if you're going to believe inclusionism, you need to really dig deep and make sure that you're right because you could be included in hell. I'm sipping coffee. Audience asked me to hit something. I got to hit something. So I'm going to do this. Hell is real. See, but he's banking it on the body. And I'm going to tell you a secret. You want a secret? Come on, lean in. The only people who want to do away with divine judgment are the people who know they did something to deserve it and they can't fix it or refuse to fix it. So your question ought to be, what is it that makes you want to rewrite this man's scriptures in all of salvation? See, we don't ask the right questions. You're so busy being excited about the numbers. You realize hell got a lot of numbers? If God is only getting a remnant, hell is probably going to outnumber those of us who make it to heaven. Because he said, yet a remnant will be saved. You can't describe how somebody, how somebody is going to dispose of their problem. Hell disposes of God's problem. And I'm telling you, I listen to this stuff and I think, man, is the church that dense? Yeah, put me out there because I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about where you got that from. Because if you tell me you got it from some ancient Eastern thing, then you got it from what God killed on the cross. And so God took every ancient and Eastern religion to hell with him in the person of his son. And he didn't bring them back. So you can talk about all of this ancient Eastern Asian stuff all day long. That's B.C. Jesus. B.C. A.D. is important in heaven. It does, God could care less about how you are. I said to him one day, well, God, why are you doing He said, I got a few things I need to finish up. He said, I'll be done with it. I'll let him self-destruct. I said, huh? He said, yeah, that's what they want. Because you get what you want in Christ. So you can play around and talk about, well, you know, uh, 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 Christians, God has no, uh, nobody in hell. There really is no heaven. You can do that. You could do that, and I'll just ask you, but why did he keep telling people you're going to hell or cast this one in hell? Cast that one in hell. So you can't see. Uh, here's what I say. 
to every inclusionist, then Jesus is not your God. And you've bought into another God. See, because we, we keep thinking it's doctrinal. This is not doctrinal. This is deific. This is about God. So you bought into another God, and you are now preaching the gospel of that God as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because you can't change a scripture. You're not, oh, you, haven't, you didn't write this scripture. You didn't write this story. You didn't even write about sin. You didn't invent sin. These people are talking like they invented sin. That's why I always push the continuum. Because, see, I didn't invent sin, but I didn't do, invent righteousness either. I didn't invite heaven. I didn't invent heaven. I didn't invent earth. I didn't invent hell. I didn't do it. So I, everything I have, I'm receiving from the Almighty for the generation in which I live and serve. So you can buy into that hell thing. I told you last week, you cannot say homosexuals are going to heaven because they need sex in heaven and they haven't done have it. So God will not be able to provide for them or answer for them their identity, and their alternative gender. We talked last week about God never making a third gender. Man made the third gender, and he made it by mutating the two. So it's a mutate. That's a mutate gender. I love this stuff. I do. Because you know what? I know my God is on it, and I know he's right. See, I decided that all men, every human is a liar, and God is true. That's your first thing. If you want to have ears to hear, and you want to hear God, and you want to understand him, oh, hallelujah, then you're going to have to accept that God predates everything. And anybody who predates it and then covers it and then encompasses it has got to have all the right answers. You keep trying to find wrong answers in God or wrong answers in his messengers. That's why you don't get it. You don't get my revelation because, see, I don't question God as God. You do. Well, Reverend so-and-so, and then you hold up all of these little false, frail, and dead people, and, you know, these dead preachers, and say, well, Brother so-and-so taught. I don't care about that. I care about what God lived. I care about what God did. I care about what he suffered. I care about what he saved. I care about what he sanctified. I care about what he promised. I care about God's reign. I care about God's realm. We want to reign and not care about the man's realm. See, you, you, your, your priorities and your hierarchies are wrong, which is why God won't talk to you. Well, he, I mean, God never gave me that because you never gave God even the benefit of the doubt. You don't, we don't even give him the benefit of the doubt. That's just wrong. Why? Because it feels wrong to you, three score and ten, here today and gone in a decade. You, God said, you're going to sit there and talk to me like that, and you can't even keep your own soul alive. He said, don't be upset with those who kill the body. He said, be afraid of he who destroys both body and soul in hell. Body and soul in hell. See, that's God. That's the God that you ignore because you want to have a daddy God. See, some of you all got have bad parents, so you all think God is as bad as your parents were. Some of you all have very bad, indulgent parents. Some of you all have ridiculously strict parents. But whatever it is, people enter God's parentage with the concept and the history as well as the experience of the parent that raised them. And if you had no parent, then you had the streets, and the streets were your parent, or the state was your parent. But God is none of that. 
None of that. I like it when people say, well, I just don't understand, um, uh, I, I mean, uh, why, a good, why God would let so-and-so happen. I watched this show on 48 Hours. I watched it twice because I was mad. And I was mad and compassionate at the same time. Trust me, that's a nasty mix of emotions. So it was about this young girl who had gotten free from sex slavery. Now, every time they tell you about, they use these girls' testimony, it starts at their enslavement. It rarely starts at their trigger. So this young girl, because she keeps, they keep showing it, so I'm going to talk about it, you know, because this is let's just talk, I'm going to talk. And so she's on there, and she looks great. Looks like she recovered, and it was wonderful. But this, every one of these girls have the same beginning. They were fresh. They were hot in the behind. They were boy chases and boy crazy. They were already doing delinquent things, etc. And they did their, their behavior, because, see, there are behaviors of destruction. There are behaviors of doom. And so they executed all of this. They carried out all of this doom behavior, and then it happened to fall upon the destroyer. And so the destroyer is the one that meets them at the airport, meets them in the coffee shops, meets them at the party, or online. And these girls are determined in their narrow view of life, these children, period, in their very narrow view of life, they are determined that they're going to have fun, prove their parents wrong, and play the my parents don't understand me card. You look at their background, look at their schooling, and whatever. Now, we have entered an e- a, 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 a psychological co- consciousness and culture that says that consequences are not part of causes. So we have this causeless consequence. Causeless you got you to deal with it. We got to deal with it. So we want to say that. So even if so-and-so flicks a light, with, with very um, soiled hands or whatever and gets burned, the fact that they got burned is not their fault and it shouldn't happen. So we're going to blame this, this invisible, non-existent power or something for doing it. So she's talking about how it was, and she describes it, and truly, the, the, I'm telling you, my heart went out to a little baby. She just went through horrors, horrors. But then she got to the point, because she was a church girl, didn't want to go to church. She was a Christian girl, didn't want to be Christian, didn't want Jesus Christ, wanted to play with the devils. So you're talking about that. So she's sitting there now, and I'm telling you, the, the, the interviewer is buying, but I just, I mean, I believe in God. I just, I just don't believe in God. Are you kidding? God believed enough in you to get you out, though you treated him like trash. He believed in you enough to work a situation that you created that wasn't in his book for you not in his Christian book, that was only in your academic book. And he took and worked an ordeal that was inscribed for your rebellion in Adam and still brought you out in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to ask her, because I wanted to be to interview so, so, yeah. I wanted to ask, you know I did? I, I was sitting there yelling at the television saying, okay, sweetheart, so where was God? Was God one of those 50 men a week that raped you? So was God on top of you? Was God the one that put you in that room? Was God the one that had you go and follow this man when you know you shouldn't have? What part did God play? That he should have stopped you from acting like a rebel and putting your life at risk? 
telling you, Christians, you who know Jesus Christ, you who are part of his family, start asking him, at what part did God come in here? What character did God play? Where was his cast? Because, see, God was at that place telling you not to go with that man. And now you're mad because he, he forgave your disobedience, your dismissiveness, and brought you out anyway. Because many girls died. And he brought you out because his seed was in you. And he cared enough about you because his seed was in you. That's what made you worthy of saving. That's what made you worthwhile. His seed was in you, and God takes care of his own. But he does say that the Lord knows those that are his, and he, and any of, any of us who names the name of Christ, we need to depart from iniquity. So you did all of this trash to God, and you did it under Satan's permission of being a teen, and teens got to act out, and teens got to do this. Why is it that teens have to act out? Take your kid out of school, you find out they don't act out. Take your kids away from this culture, and your kids don't act out because they need influencers. They need peers. They need inseminators. Keep your child home and find out how sweet your teenager will become again because they don't have all of those negative influences. See, when I came up, we knew they were negative influences. Now, in today's world, they're no longer negative influences, but they're nagging culture curses. They nag your children in the following culture and falling under a curse. For that girl to talk about God like that, I'm like, I'm going to need you to have been deep in the Lord. I'm going to need you to have been snatched off the street. And some of them snatched off the street has to do with God saying, you know what, I need you to get this out of your system, and the only way it's going to get this out of your system is to let you have your way. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I hate sex slavery. I do. I'm telling you, I pray for it all the time. But I I went to God about it. God is like, how are you going to blame me for something that they defamed me about? They profaned my name, profaned my church, defamed my reputation, and now it's my fault that you got the wages of sin. I promised you that what you sow, you're going to reap. You got the wages of sin, which is death. And preachers, if we're going to be psychologists that work for Jesus Christ, we're going to have to know when the soul is wrong. That's where the volition of the soul is wrong, where that human will was wrong. Your human will ran away from God, chased sin, chased death, chased destruction. And now you don't believe in God. You better be thankful that he still believed in you. He believed in you enough to get you out. God didn't do that. And I watch, and, and, and all of these girls say the same thing because I've watched all of these. You know, I like to watch them because I need to know what's going on. And every one of them say it after they've been bratty kids. They've been rebellious. They played around with the internet. They played around. And so you don't mind if a boy goes up in your girl's behind, but not this guy. If you're sexually active, you're already picking up people's spirits. You're already picking up the spiritual insemination. Your soul is already contaminated. It's not only contaminated, it's infected, which is why relationships change you, because your soul is getting new signals through the sex act. Why else do you think he needs everybody having sex? Your cereal box got to have sex. Come on, somebody. Ben Wright's got to have sex. Everything got to be sexy. Everything got to be sexable. And every day, you're watching TV shows talking about, well, the reason you're having a bad day, when was the last time you got laid? What has that got to do with the fact that I lost my job, my, my parents died, and all of a sudden sex is the panacea for everything? Mm-hmm. 
and you got television telling people sex is the panacea. Now, nobody's living that out because everybody's miserable. You ain't got so many people inside of you, you don't even know who you are. But it's, it, it sells because it is a pleasure, momentary. But your soul, your soul, that's what we're talking about, getting your soul healed. And then they got the nerve to say, well, everybody needs to have some sex, but you shouldn't be addicted to it. Okay, God, give me up. Make up your mind. It's either a panacea or it's not. Because somebody, you know, has to begin to deal with this in truth. That's why, you know, I, I, I love having my own ministry, have my own thing, because you have to have it. everything, everything in, in, in this deranged culture. And I studied the word deranged from Webster on my thing. I was surprised what it meant. But this culture is deranged. And it's all, everything revolving around sex. That means that there is something about to take pleasure off the table, take freedom off the table, take liberty off the table, even take uh, desire off the table. There's something about it. Somebody needs to do a real deep dive research as to why Satan needs sex. For everything. What is it about this seemingly innocuous life and practice that makes him rely on it for everything? Military rely on it. We're going to send in the Maharis, you know? Military. Uh, undercover folks rely on it. Everything. There is something we need to look at because all of that, the sex has gone mainstream. In a big way. And now they want your children. You all let your children go to school and listen to people tell them about how to have sex. And yet you say you're a good parent. You say you're a good guardian. You let them tell you about, let your children go to school and be taught how to be gay. How to be homosexual. You literally do that. And again, it's sex. And say that you're a good parent. Now, you didn't have to face those battles, and you didn't have to face those devils, but your child does. And you let your child sit in those classes, and you're so proud of yourself because you call it sophisticated. Look up sophisticated. At the end of his definition, to me, it's corrupt. Worldly, secular, humanist. And some of you all, you're Christians, and you're, you're more humanist than you are Christian. You're going to fight for a humanity that you didn't get on the cross for. Because you didn't. You didn't get on the cross for this humanity, and Satan wouldn't have got on the cross for him. He still hasn't. He makes a whole lot of naive folks get pretend to do cross whatever, but he, he never got on the cross for what he got. He got his by deception and subterfuge. Jesus got his by agony, agony, agony rather, and suffering. He had to pay to get us back. Satan only had to lie. So we can talk about who the best savior is all day long. We can have that discussion all day. But you you parents, when you get there, Romans said, if you even approve of a sin, you are counted in heaven as having done it. Because you approved it. Because your approval inspired and motivated someone else. So your approval is motivating your kids, and you're letting them go. 
There's no way. I'm going to tell you right now, my kids would have, first of all, my kids would have been out of school when we started having guns and weapons and carrying on shooting. You, uh, uh, no, 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 because I pay too much money to keep you safe to send you to an unsafe zone. So, uh-uh, no. Uh, my kids would have never been. No, uh-uh, because you, you, bro- you already showed us. You already showed us you can't keep my kids safe. And all you want to do is keep locking them in and locking them down and locking them in and locking them down because you won't, because that's, that, that's a state of your feebleness, your frailty, your frail ability to really deal with the problem. And now you're going to turn around and decide that my kid is going to be a sexual being uh, at your word? Oh, no, not my kid. You sitting there talking about, I don't know why my daughter's crazy. I don't know why my son is, is moody and carrying on. I'm telling you, their education is, prepa- is literally preparing your child to be part of the problem of the future. And I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. If, until they do better, the public school system, you need not to trust them because they don't have your kids' interest at heart. They have an agenda that has nothing to do with your ch- child's well-being, your, their destiny, their wholesomeness. And my kids would never sit in some homosexual classes, ever. No. And, and nobody, and, and they wouldn't sit in yoga. Y'all got your kids, I'm a Christian, and you got the nerve to think Christianity and yoga are one and the same? I need you to do your homework. It's a shame how naive Christians are, and it's, a, and it's even more pathetic that they are so gullible. You will not go and research yoga, and you got your kids sitting in the middle of your living room going, hum. Oh, no, you're not humming up in here. I'm going to cast that devil out. And you're never going back to that temple because that's what the schools have become, a yogi temple. And you let your kids go. You let your kids sit up there and take on another deity as if you know how it's affecting their souls. You're allowing their soul to be infested with another religion and corrupt doctrines, doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. You you? Oh, no. I told, no, my, one of my friends asked me, I said, pull your kids out. And so I'm going to give you all an assignment. I want everybody, and I mean everybody, share, 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 share. Yeah, I'm hot. I'm hot because I represent Jesus Christ, and I'm hot because I know what this lie is going to do to you. I know what it's going to do to your children. I know the corruption. I looked at all of the lists. Of, there is a list online that talks about how uh, yoga meditation initially affects the soul. Insanity, nervousness, sleeplessness, and the list goes on. But I'm going to give you an assignment. If you are so convinced that there is no difference, prove your case. Go online, go to the library, and go to scholastic papers and read up on yoga. And then ask your school's principal why they are peddling one religion instead of all of them. So you, if you're going to have yoga, the Hindu religion, then I need you to have Christianity, the maker's religion. I want you to, but before you go, don't just pick up the phone and start fussing because you know how we like to do. Do your homework. And then everywhere, call community meetings and let's discuss yoga being taught and used on our kids. Because you see, my kids were fine with prayer. And I want you to know, we prayed in tongues, and I want you to know, yes, we do. So you know. So if you can have yoga, my kid ought to be able to pray in tongues. If you say that it's all about a spiritual practice, praying in tongues is a spiritual practice. Praying, our Father who art in heaven, I'm telling you, either get yoga out or put everybody in. Or we could just go and back to what we did and have the God of God regulating his creatures and creation. So I challenge you, I challenge you, especially 
if you are a parent or an educator, do your homework. I want you to go to the origin of yoga. I want you to go to the source. I want you to find the person who originated the idea that you can separate those actions and practices and meditations from a deity because there was a single person who did that. You need to find out who that is so you can tell no when it became American. The yogi don't even like y'all doing it. They're mad because they say it's their religion. And you're, you, America has always been known to just take things from people and just assume. But I put every parent that's under the sound of my voice, every adult, every preacher, because, see, you got churches talking about we do yoga. You done brought another God in there, and I want you to explain to me whose decision was it to say yoga was no longer the exclusive domain of the Hindus? Or, or Asian practices. I want to find that person, and we want to find them, and I want their quotes. I want their arguments. I want to see it. Because some human being was bought into this and decided, since we're getting ready to take down Christianity, we got to replace it with something. Ah, I know what we'll do. We'll replace it with yoga, because yoga has prayer, yoga has acts, yoga has steps, yoga has medita- meditation, and all of that. Mindfulness. Do you know what mindful was in Scripture? With sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, I want you to be mindful of this very thing. That started with us. And because we stopped doing our part, we left that vacancy and void for devils to come in and bring it in. I want every, hear me, I'm so serious about this. I send this out by the Holy Ghost, and I send it out as a sound wave above the earth and around the earth. I command this thing to take root. All of you are be bold enough to find out the truth before you settle for the lie. Because yoga has no place in our academic institutions or our public institutions, not our jobs. You should not have to take on a new religion to work a job. You should not have to practice and serve another deity to work a job unless you're going to work in their temples. You should not have to. You should not have to go to seminars to find out how to shed Jesus Christ, how to peel off your faith. And then you do it. Well, what are you going to do? You got to get paid. Then get off that job, create a job, and pay yourself. We need to start boycotting everything that's pushing yoga. We're big. We're still 45 million strong. You need to, we need to start boycotting it instead of buying into it. Boycott it, not buy into it. Get your kids out of those schools. Now, I say this on my show because this is my show, but I'm telling you, you need to because in three to five, half of y'all, your kids are already cutting up at home. And what are they doing? Those devils that taught them in school and then tamed them in school then inhabited their little bodies so that every time they cut up, you say, go and meditate. So you're helping the grooming of your kids. I know I need to, but you know I'm hot. Come on, prophet. I'm hot. Ear, he who has an ear to hear, hear what the wisdom of God is telling you right now. You need to spare your household because I'm going to tell you something. Every solution, even with us, every solution actually pops out and times out, and you have to go to the next level. There is nothing in Scripture that tells you to sit and just hum and to put your fingers together to just and cross your knees. Can you imagine? That's not, as a matter of fact, God tells you not to cross your knees. He said, get on your knees. Mm-hmm. He never told you to cross your knees. 
Those are pagan religions. And, and, and as surely as Jesus is Lord, I'm, I don't know how, but we're going to get this paganism out of our king's church. We're getting this pagan devil out. And we're going to get back to the first faith and the first foundations. We're going to raise up repairers of the breach. Okay. Yoga is a religion. I don't care what they say. Just because a person renames something doesn't stop it from being who it is. We rename a lot of things. And you know what? It's, it's natural self and it's intrinsic self is still the same. You can't change it because the same way that there are angels and there are spirits assigned to Christianity, there are angels and spirits assigned to every religion in the world because the world can't work without God's forces, God's teams. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm looking at yoga. I, I want we gonna have a big. I want this. I want a file this big for them to show me. Just because somebody, well, I, we just do the stretches. Yeah, it's nice. You think those devils don't respond to the, sweat, the stretches? Let me tell you why. I know they respond to the stretches because if a if a mute person did them, they still know what to do without saying without the own. Mm-hmm. So there's something non-physical, sure. If, you know about it. So did you want to say something before we go? And gestures. Go ahead. Gestures in and of themselves are a form of communication. Nonverbal. The mute would not be able to speak and have a language. Um, so I think that that's an important point mm-hmm. to make with that, you know, because people do say that. But gestures in and of themselves are, it is a language. Mm-hmm. And nonverbals obviously carry some sort of dynamic. Absolutely. Otherwise, we wouldn't read them. So you read nonverbals. That's number one. And number two, just because you don't think that your gestures matter. Right. Again, the God of your faith does because he was there when yoga was originated in the ancient, ancient, ancient times. So God and those angels as well as demons are reading the acts and the gestures. And God said, but I also discern the thought and the intent of your heart. And no heart filled with no new creation heart filled with the Holy Ghost is going to contaminate it with another God's influence. Did you want to since you come on, girl? Because you, you you was out there pointing at tongues. <laughs> well, I I think um, you know there are probably a lot of parents um, out there that are listening or will listen. Um, what what do you recommend to the parent who recognizes that public school is not the best but does not have a recourse right now or, or feels as though they don't? Maybe address that with them because I know a lot of parents will probably have that question. Well, um, I think Chief shared with me that somebody sent to her that in some areas 600 parents kept their kids home from LGBT training because mm-hmm. it is education right. and training. Yep, that's right. 600. So the first thing I would tell you is let your, withdraw your kids. We need an action. It's nice for us to say we're going to protest. That's nice. Next, next thing, if this was 25 years ago, we'd be stuck, but we got kids. We got a whole lot of online things. And curricula you yourself can download, and a community of, of parents, concerned parents, can get together and bring those kids into those, those online trainings in a one single center like homeschooling has been done forever. You know, homeschooling has always been around. Now, I think that... Uh, some parents are just not good at it, then we need to pair up, couple up, and group up and give our kids a wonderful homeschool education. And if you want them to have interaction, then let's get them to a site. They don't have to go to public school. And public school did not, was not started by gays and lesbians. It was started by Christians. Mm-hmm. That's what public school was started by. 
your university that swears that you can't pray on that land was started by a Christian. Yale was Christian. Yep. John Yale, he was Christian. All those people were Christians. And so the, at the tap root, we're the one. So what I would say is that, number one, I would, first of all, I would complain and criticize. Yes, I would. And I would go and fight. If you can't fight, that's fine. But if these teachers want to be disemployed because they won't fight for what they know is right, then that's their loss. You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for what you brought into the world, and you brought a kid into the world. And now, and think about it, and now we got churches teaching it and carrying on. You know good and well. I'm t- God's going to break out. Her Jerry told me. He's going to break out. He just needed people to know why he was going to break out. Wow. <laughs> Yes. That's why we we have you know we have conversations like this, and there are other people around the world. So I would tell you to do three things. I would definitely write a letter. You can wage a campaign against your school district. You, if you're Christian, even if you're not Christian, this is not even about Christianity. This is about this is about righteousness and the health and well-being of your child, the wealth, the welfare of a kid that you are responsible for. You're going to give them good food. You're going to dress them up. They have a nice home, nice whatever. You're going to get the great holiday gifts, however way you celebrate. You're, you're going to give them that. You're going to make sure that they get music lessons, little culture, and yet you're going to send them to a school that's going to teach them how to be a homosexual so that they can prime your kids for the pedophilia that they're trying to legalize. That's what this is. It's priming your kids for the pedophilia that they're trying to legalize. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Stop being just coastal on Christians. Stop cruising through your salvation. Absolutely. This is about getting your children to be the pedophilia um, objects of tomorrow. This is not about that. This is, and it's still all about sex. I had a dream. That's why I know you need to fight. Mm-hmm. I had a dream about 10 years ago, and I was, I, 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 in the dream, I was by the spirit brought into this man's garage, and he was sitting there, he had um, um, jeans on and a black top, and he had a little boy on top of him, and he was sodomizing this little boy. Issue is that the garage was up, it was broad daylight, mm-hmm. and passersby didn't care. Wow. This is, get your kids out of those schools. Wow. And begin to send them where they can be safe. We and if you have a problem with what institution, come on, check out those institutions. Mm-hmm. Check them out. You know, I saw the article, Catholic Church, largest sex slave thing, but you won't let that happen. Because see, and then you want to talk about God. Yeah, but they said but they work for God. No, 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 they didn't work for God. They told you they worked for God. And you bought it. You didn't see any fruits of repentance, you didn't see any fruits of righteousness. All you saw was a lot of liturgy, a lot of smoke and mirrors. So those people who did that told you they were working for God. And you didn't care. And then when your kids were going, you bought into that whole thing because there is a religious spirit to um, church pedophilia. That, that, that thing literally adopts a religious spirit because, remember, this thing started with temples and religion. Right, right, right. So that spirit is still there. But anyway, I'm going on because, you know, I just thought it. No, that's good. And, you know, um, so – essentially then parents you need to be finding the resources in your city that are available to you you know working parents who can't sit at home exactly 
with their kids, then begin to look at the resources that are available in your city. Look at the homeschool networks that are available in your city because they're in every major city there's probably already an existing network where you actually could begin to bring your children into that and you wouldn't necessarily have to sit with them all day. You know, so I, I definitely want to I want to extend this on Profiting This Generation this week to talk about some yep. of those solutions and some of those answers to help you guys get connected with things so that you can act on this council. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of summing that up because I know that a lot of them are going to have questions and, and going to want to message us. Um, so it's, it's time to start looking into those things. If you're a parent who can't make an immediate action, then get involved in that curriculum. Find out what you got to pull your kid out of. I know that, you know, Prophet Ashley and I, we talked about it when we were kids. We weren't. I wasn't involved in any sex ed class no, whatsoever. No, no, no. Elaine mm -hmm. didn't do that. Elaine Stewart didn't do that. Albright didn't do that. So mm -hmm. we. I wasn't involved in many of those mm -hmm. things. We didn't. We weren't involved in Halloween parties, things of that nature. We just weren't there. So there are actions that you can take to even protect your kid in the meantime while you're trying to find solutions and mm -hmm. places where your kids can go. And, and, and let me just say this because it's important that you understand. Every trend has an agenda. Every agenda has an objective. That's right. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Every trend has an agenda, and every agenda has an objective. So, and that is to popularize yeah. some sort of action that someone believes should be spread throughout all culture, all community. You need to figure that out. Stop letting, uh, well, I'm just too tired. I'm just too tired to look it up. Yeah. Listen, get yourself some Geritol. You know, I've been talking about this. Get yourself uh, my favorite vitamin, Geritol, baby. I'm, gonna tell you, I'm back. But you need to look it up and stop feeling sorry for people who cry. Just yeah. because the, uh, the homosexuals whine and cry about how bad they're treated, there's no reason for you to buy into them and back them. Well. We don't have to, just because you cry. Our kids cry all the time. We ain't care. We like go to your room. They cried all the way through the fix room. Your face. Okay, fix your face, whatever. This whole idea that because they say they're suffering, you're suffering something you chose. Yeah. Yep. Not something you are. You chose. Every time you have sex, you choose to ratify that which is against not only nature but culture. You don't have to have sex. People ain't died from not having sex. They die from a lot of things. You're going to die from not having water. You're going to die from not eating. You're going to die from not having air. Yeah. You're going to die from other things, but you will not die from not having sex. As a matter of fact, according to the hierarchy of the human body, the reproductive stuff is way down the line. When we talk about vital organs, and vital functions. Yeah, the first one, shut off and self-preservation. Exactly, because see, they, so you don't need to do that. That's something you chose. That is not something you are. Now, you can say, I was born this way, but you know what? A lot of people are born with a lot of things that they just cease not to do. Folk are born allergic to certain foods. They just don't eat them. They were, isn't that the truth? Yes. You know, hey, I cannot eat, you know, whatever your vegetable is. I can't eat this certain vegetable. Guess what? You just don't eat it to protect yourself. So you have a susceptibility to it. It may be something that you love the fragrance of, the flavor and the fragrance of, but guess what? You know it's harmful to your health. And so don't give me that. I don't buy that. I just don't. That's why I know this thing is the devil. And I'm telling you throughout Scripture, God tells you. I can tell you why. We can sit down and talk about where it came from and what God's issues are. I wrote it. Put that article back up online. I wrote a whole article on it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Paper. Yes, that white paper, Jesus Christ's issue with homosexuality. Because you have to do this. See, this particular um, bias, you have to do in order for it to be serious. 
Otherwise, you're just two friends, boarders, buddies, girlfriends hanging out together. So that is one of the things I know. So when and again, I don't. You can say you're Christian church, but if you're in a Christian church that indulges and pacifies homosexuality, that is a church that has already shifted to another God. So you can try to get your prayers answered. It's not going to be answered unless it's answered by devils, and he can only answer them for a short period of time because he has to go and send his stuff around. So he doesn't have a lot. So then your prayers won't get answered. Your home is going to be full of chaos. Some of you all are wondering why your home is full of chaos. You need to find out what your church, your spiritual leader is into because that is changing the environment of all of its membership. Just like if I change something in how I feed my body, all my members are going to be affected by it. If something happens to my head, all my members are affected by it. But that is a principle that began in God's realm. So some of you all, your home is going to be crazy. Your marriages are going to be crazy. Some of them, and when they have those kinds of things, you have to understand that when a church uh, accepts and, and indulges homosexuality, they also are, are licensing the homosexuals to poach your spouses. Mm. Woo! Yeah. See, this is big. Come on. This is not minor. So they get a chance to, just like the heterosexuals go and start flirting with your spouses, now these homes. So now you got two problems. Oh, my God. That's a double problem. Trying to pick you up. And then they, and they have to prove that they're better. Oh, no, honey, I can give it to you better than, than she ever could. Oh, no, I can do it better than any man. I mean, uh-uh. But that's that because they don't leave their consciousness out of the church. Neither do they leave their customs out of the church because it's a culture. So as you continue to go on and do what you do and you stay up in that church, don't go, don't go and talk about I prayed and God didn't answer. God is like, I wasn't talking to that. And if I'm not talking to your church, why are you praying to me from there? Uh, oh. I'm not talking from your church. A lot of you all about God won't answer prayer. No, God's not answering that church and you're a member. Oh Woo! You heard it here. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> we almost got you, bro. Uh, I love the piece earlier um, where you you just talked about how we end up being, um, uh, I guess, diminished. If, if, mm-hmm. And for for lack of a better word, well, you use that word. You talk about how we follow diminishing narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, that that ultimately, and that follow up statement that you made after that was that that join us to Satan's destruction. Yes. And I thought that that was really powerful. You said that the spirit of this world relies on our sense of inferiority, mm-hmm. and I wanted you to maybe just elaborate on that because that, that was, those were some powerful points that you put together. Mm-hmm. Well, if you read Scripture a lot, it says, what does God say? Be strong. Be brave. Be confident. Mm-hmm. Know yourself. You know, and, and, and all of that. Have faith. He uses all of those words. Well, why does he use them? Because you're not born with them. Mm-hmm. Or either, and you're born with the seeds, but they're never nurtured. And then we have to find out what they're nurtured in. Yeah, but but uh, our country, and I think many of many humans around the world, we, we literally pander to our weaknesses. We pander to our inferiorities. I mean, think about it. Mean girls. Mean girls is based on what? The superior girls thinking that the other ones are inferior. Right. right. So they're mean, bullying, all of that, because inferiority is a main instrument of gullibility. Oh. So 
if you're going to be, in, if you walk around with an inferiority complex, anybody that takes that pain and discomfort off your heart, off of your soul, will win your ear and your faith. Why do we, I mean, think about it. Motivational speakers all around. I mean, talking about we got a boom of motivational speakers and, and thought shapers and, 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 and encouragers and all of that. All of that is based on the fundamental fact that we're inferior. Now, what Satan does is he scripts what should make you feel inferior. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you pick and choose from that warehouse of inferior, inferiority text. And you put it together and say, this is my issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not tall. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Nobody likes blacks. Nobody wants this. Everybody wants the white, um, blue-eyed, blonde hair. I mean, how do you have so many people, women with blonde hair and black roots? Inferiority. <laughs> okay? Why do we have so many people wearing jeans all around the world as a, as a costume, as a uniform? Inferiority. Why do we have folks, even now, you can't go, you, why do we have all of this permissive, um, nonsense, vulgarity, inferiority? Because you will be called, like, if I say, but that's just religious. You know how many Christians indulge the sins of the church because they didn't want to be c- considered religion? Oh, yeah. Inferiority. Yeah. Or legal- legality, inferiority. You know, you don't have your own mind. You got. I look at, you know, because watchmen don't watch can't help. And so, <laughs> isn't that the truth? They can't help because they don't know. But I look at a lot of shows, and, I, and we've been talking about that. I said there has to be a literal screenwriter's template software because these shows are exactly the same. But you don't know it because they change clothes and background, et cetera. The same words. I get it. I get it. In every way. Who came up with that? Nobody else. Yeah, I get it. And we just pick it up. And we just adopt it into our vocabulary because they said it. I get it. Or how many times do you hear, I mean, there's hardly a show, anything that doesn't have, oh, my God, in it. And so we adopt it. Inferiority. So your mind is not your own, which is what God says, but you literally pick up and adopt Anything that strikes that inferiority core, because it made you feel strong for 30 seconds. It made you feel bold for 30 seconds. And so you did it. But you look at it, monotony. They're so monotonous, it's not funny. Am I kidding or what? The heart wants. What the heart wants. And yet my God, my Bible said the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And it's not in man to know his ways. It's not in you. You have to get it from external ways, and those external ways are either God and Christ or devils and demons. That's where it is. So the hardest thing for me was saying, I'm not doing that because you said, well, I was always moving stubborn. But anyway, because I used to say, well, what makes you right and me wrong? Like, and there is a spirit on that phrase, I get it, because it keeps forcing my mouth to try to say it. So that's an anointed term that's accomplishing something sensual at the very least, because there's a spirit on it. And like, oh, and I, I, one day I just sat down and just wrote all the words. I said, man, these are in every show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I prayed last week, because, you know, I, I just, I have fun with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I said, God, please deliver us from agenda and give us back artistry. There is no artistry that. out there. No. It's all agenda. No art. So they don't even have to work hard at being creative or innovative. It's just all agenda. And I wouldn't have a problem with that if the agenda wasn't so destructive. Yeah. 
But it's all about annihilation of what God has done. Did you want to say something? We got time. <laughs> Did you want another one before she read? Because you know she. No, go ahead. All right. So the article on yoga. This was written in 2014, Huffington Post. Um, it was published by a now closed Tough Post contributor platform that they had. Oh. Where people could just post it well. So mm-hmm. this is. Uh, actually, this woman is a yoga teacher, but this is a very good article. It says, over the last decade, yoga has become more popular than ever, not just in India. There, yoga is an unassuming spiritual and, for some, a faithful religious practice. Mm-hmm. Yoga in America, however, is a secular, multi-billion dollar industry. It is only a philosophical or spiritual practice when we want it to be. And we certainly don't accept it as a religion. American Hindu organizations, such as Take Back Yoga... We'll keep trying, but we'll fail. We'll keep failing to reinsert the religious aspects of Hinduism into American yoga because yoga in the U.S. is exactly what Americans want it to be. If they really want to take back yoga, they might just have to buy it back. In July 2013, Judge John Meyer from California deemed yoga as an American sensation when settling a court case involving disgruntled parents of students at a school feeling like yoga should not be taught in schools because of its spiritual and religious connotations parents wanted yoga completely removed from the curriculum however the judge on the case said as its root yoga is religious but continued to say that even though yoga is a hindu practice it is now a distinctly american cultural phenomenon america has won again this time it's not about the possession of oil it's about blanching the culture, wow. okay? It's about blanching the culture out of something to make it fit our needs. How did this happen? Right. Americans are comfortable with yoga as a non-religious physical endeavor. It is acceptable when portrayed through the homespun, educated, and, re- and refreshingly free-thinking familiar girl next door. If we don't homogenize the face of yoga this way, yoga in America, yoga in America, would be a closet activity deemed inappropriate for Christians. For some, practicing yoga the way we do in America is sacrilege, but not if we keep standing by the ruling that yoga isn't a religion. Today's new yoga teachers might excite people by offering a chant in alm or show up to class with a wrist wrapped in mala beads because dancing with spirituality is relatively benign. Divining deep, in, oh, excuse me, diving deep into a true yoga practice, however, is too precarious. It threatens our American standards and Christian values. Americans have transformed yoga to, to epitomize uh, an interpretation because it's better to play it safe. God forbid we lose the accessibility of this life-changing practice. Wow. Is this so terrible and if so, why? Thanks to ingenious marketing, yoga is no longer weird foreign and seemingly cult-like here in the West. The average American yoga teacher might flaunt a Hindu name and even be heard reciting verses from the Yoga Sutras, the foundational Mm -hmm. text of yoga, but rarely in Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Indeed, the teachings of yoga will be expressed through semantics that can can easily be absorbed by our secular filter. For example, Dharma isn't religious. It's about taking what we want by the horns and holding on long enough to own it. Wow. And then that she, I mean, the article goes on, but post wow. on yes, the I will. I want everybody to read this article, and I want you to give it to your pastors and your preachers. So you understand that yoga is now made an idiot out of Americans. Wow. Because it's telling you that 
It is a religion. It's deeply religion. Its founders and practitioners in its original state have a problem with it, but because it's a sensation. Yeah. See, it's, they didn't say exercise. They said sensation. And sensations have always been a miracle teacher. In other words, it deals with your senses. Can I just read these notes, too, because this is very good. The concept of God is a shaky subject. And to it, the yoga-inspired faith in the God within us all. And you have a huge mess on your hands. Calling yoga non-religious isn't just about altering yoga to make a buck. It is about avoiding starting a war. Anyone who can amiably define God and unite the world's religions and spiritual beliefs without causing bloodshed will clearly prove to be the next Messiah. America has chosen to dilute, reinterpret, and turn a blind eye to what yoga actually is and ultimately who we actually are. It is not within anybody's means to comprehend all nations under one God. America will always be one nation under God, but it has to be our interpretation of God just as it is with yoga. Wow. Well, and I say that because, see, y'all got big big ministers now. And everything. I want you to share, share, share this article. Share, share, share this broadcast. Share it. Print it out because you know that when you get when something gets too scary, you can't find it. I'm going to uh, – I'll email the link to myself mm-hmm. and put it in a Word document and give it to Prophet Adia to upload the document. Exactly. So, so we're going to share it. Now – Next time you are, and, and listen, maybe you need to get a nice little, make it a pamphlet and carry it around with you so you can tell your friends, read this. I'm telling you, because see, the very thing, the devil will always tell you the truth. And you know why he doesn't mind blatantly telling you the truth? Because he knows you're too gullible to even believe it is true. He knows that you will not change because your willfulness, you know, see, your willfulness is what will keep you doing what you want to do. We started out with the soul, your willfulness. So you people, you're walking around practicing, calling yourself Christian. As far as I'm concerned, I wish God would get this article into every Christian's hand so that you can see that you are, I told you, I told you it was idolatry. And you are following an idolatrous practice that's telling you it's destructive for you at, at the worst. And at the least, it's unbeneficial. They did not talk about anything about exercise. They talked right. about. It's not idolatry for me because when I do it, I pray. And that's really good. That's good. That's but it says you're praying to yes. your God within. Yes. Yes. That is, yes. It said that. It said when you pray, she's a teacher. And she said when you pray, you're praying to the God within you, your God. And that's still idolatry. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because what did they say? They want this. By redefining. Yeah. And in other articles, when I was scrolling down through just doing that quick search online, talked about redefining yoga not as a religion but as a science. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how all of these things get in there, which is the same way witchcraft got in. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. well, well, no, this is not religion. This is a science. Oh, yeah. And so we're in the door. But, but you're in the door in America because these other countries still know that they expect the God that they are praying to, to deliver. So you can't deliver yourself. It is not in man to deliver his own soul. No, it's not. To save his soul. So you can talk about it, but the fact that you call it, what do they say? Um, it's the God within you, and it's your self-interpreted God, which means it's your self-appointed God, then it's still idolatry, and you're still not a Christian. You're churching. You might go to church, but you're still not a Christian. Because God, if the Holy Ghost is in you, why are you forcing another God on him? Mm-mm-mm. 
See, you might be a churchian, which is really nice. A lot of these people, you're churchians, and you have literally forsaken your Christianity. In other words, that seed of Christ in you, you didn't want it to grow. You didn't nurture it. You didn't allow it to take authority because you wanted to have your what? See, that's why the seed of Christ in you is still a seed. Because, you know, a lot of you all like to walk around and say, well, if God doesn't like it, he'll take it from me. God said, if, 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 listen, God said, if you don't like it because I don't like it, you'd get rid of it. So good. I, I mean, I think that you just hit the nail on the head, even in so many subjects that you've been addressing these past weeks, is that we keep thinking that we have expanded our Christianity when, in fact, we just forsook it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you just said that, you know, in order for us to, so in, in, in other words, in order for me to carry, you know, say I am, I'm Christian, but I'm practicing yoga, what I don't recognize is, if that's the case, I left Christ yes. to go and practice yoga. And it's that's not, and the sorry, thing that I think that people are not ready to handle, mm-hmm. not ready to confront. No, you left Christ in order for you to have embraced these other things. Right. And that's, I mean, that's powerful. We, we got to address that even more because you're hitting that right at the mm-hmm. core of where people are and even where people are stuck mm-hmm. and why they're fighting with people like us because in their minds, they're saying, no, like I have adapted my Christianity. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is you left. Well, well I think that people think they're going to have like a feeling yes. when they're defecting from Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, I'm going to feel some kind of way. There's a, a, an yeah. anger at the root. There's a, something, defiance, an, uh, an overt defiance yeah. that they think they're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not my motivation, then clearly that's not what I'm doing, which I'm goes doing. to your statement here. Corruption becomes culture. And you talked about that's how we got the grungy or that's how we got here. Satan is joining Christians to himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mind yeah, blowing statement because... Yeah. Man, I mean, we are so not taught how the reality of our Christian, the reality of God's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forget our Christianity. Just, no, not limiting to our Christianity. The reality of God's world. Yeah. How this really works. I mean, to, to so many Christians, oh, Satan is this big monster in the corner that I'm going to see. It's like stranger danger. How we yeah. parents and, and everybody had to change how they marketed stranger danger because it used to be the man in the raincoat and the hat and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it's obvious. No, it's the neighbor with the puppy and the... Candy and the, the guy yeah, they got the guy and the, your neighbor, your mm-hmm. brother, your sister, your cousin, their siblings. How many people are molested by their siblings? Yeah. That's a scary statistic all by itself. Yeah. And so we think, though, uh, going back to this point that a lot of Christians believe. I mean, I know when I see on people's social media posts vibes, mm-hmm. positive vibes, mm-hmm. all these vibes, that there's somebody in yoga, mm-hmm. there's somebody messing around in New Age, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. something out there, no matter how Christian they may appear, ministers, whatever, when we start talking about vibes and positive mm-hmm. feelings and positive vibes, just yeah. send your positive my way today that we're in trouble. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's oh, a yeah. very good very good response. So good. When you think about um, leaving Christ and people say, well, this is not, you did not get on the cross, so you don't get to define or redefine. You did not take 39 stripes, so you don't get to define or redefine. You did not spend three days and three nights in the heart of hell to get your people out, so you don't get to define, to define or redefine. You don't get that privileges, and so you need to understand in the same way you can't redefine your height, your age, your build, you can't redefine that. 
Now, you can redefine those fleshy things, cosmetic stuff, boobs, butt, eyelashes, cheek, but all of that is the fleshy part. Yes. You can't redefine your DNA. So you don't get to redefine Christ's DNA. Mm -hmm. You don't have that authority, but beyond authority, you don't have the access. See, so you cannot, you can accessorize your Christianity with whatever demonics you want, but all you're doing is accessorizing what this man died for. And a lot of you all have yoga as an accessory to your Christianity. That's a, that means you don't have to put it on, but you're wearing it because it's your favorite piece of costume. So you can accessorize Christianity any way you want, but you cannot accessorize the soul that has to be saved. You can't change your soul. You can only change your body. You cannot change your soul. You can't change your spirit. Those are under the domain of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God. So you can talk that trash all day long, and the only thing your conversation does is prove your ignorance to the things of God most high. Because you can't do that. You can't even change when you're going to die. You can't change when you're going to get a cold. You get a cold, you got to ride it out. God doesn't get cold. I know that's the truth. You got to ride it out. You get the flu, you have to ride it out. See, there are too many. (laughs) There are too many, uh, really too many non-changeable and inaccessible things about your statement that prove you wrong. You cannot accessorize Christianity. You can accessorize your churchianity. You can accessorize your philosophy. And yoga is an accessory. It's not even a science. Because I don't care how much the law says it might become a science. The bottom line is the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersede it. So you can go ahead on and follow this all you want. But you have to prove that your Christianity is going to pay off. And if it pays off, to what God and to what end? Mm-hmm. Because you are going to die yeah. And you're going to hell And you know why? Because the Bible said Even those who love and make or create lies Go to hell Because oh. God has He is unmovable Now talk about zero tolerance for a lie right. He has zero tolerance Heaven has Those angels got zero tolerance So while you're talking about This is my Christianity Yes it is It's just not Christ Ooh. So you can, you can accessorize it with all oh this kind God. of stupidity that you want, but you're going to hell, and you're going to hell not because God doesn't love you. You're going to hell because you've made yourself incompatible with him. Wow. Because God is compatible with one model and one brand, and that is Jesus Christ. Okay. Is that all right? Oh, that's all right. That's all right. He's a honeyman. That's my honeyman. Hit that. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit the honeyman. Yeah, because I think that you I mean, today really touched on the mentality that people say, you know, these things that we talk about don't matter for my eternality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That these things are just, you know, nitpicky things that we argue about, but but I'm just worried about my, you know, my eternal soul and what's going to, you know, you know uh, cause me to be separated from Christ or with him. And I think that you're dealing with that today and really hitting the core of that mm-hmm. because what we view as these external things, um, we haven't recognized that it is the origin of mm-hmm. those things that we consume. So in other words, if I'm consuming yoga, I'm also mm-hmm. consuming the spirit that birthed yoga. Okay. And I think 
that having to deal with that and coming face to face with that because we're just so accustomed to feeling like we have enough power Mm -hmm. and authority to divorce ourselves from origins. Listen, if you're eating the fruit of something, you're also eating the seed. There is no way to divorce that out, okay? So I think that that's something that we have to own, we have to recognize, and you just hit that powerful thing today because Mm -hmm. you hear that argument so much, you know, it's it's tit for tat, you know what I mean? You guys are talking about things that don't really matter Mm -hmm. in the big scheme of things. They matter if you compromise your soul. It matters if you sold it yeah. in order to engage in those activities. And, you know, it's really fun because a lot of shows today are using that phrase, I sold my soul to the devil. I yeah. cut a deal. They're using yeah. that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. He's telling you you sold your soul. Yeah. He's telling you. And I will tell you something. <laughs> but he is. And then you're going to lose. That's you know, 14 times the Bible talks about in heart. Because, God, your body doesn't get saved. That's why it goes back to the dust. It has a duty, a debt to future generations. See, part of why you believe that nonsense is because we, we, you've had teachers who made it all about your flesh, all about your human experience. See, this is not a human experience. This is a divine edict. It's not even just an edict for God. He's not just telling you you can't do it. It's a divine establishment, essence. God is constitutionally against lies. Constitutionally. That's why he said he cannot lie. His constitution is made up of what is made up. He's tried it. He's pushed it. He's he's tested it. He sent his son to hell because of it. And he found out that that constitution works. So you in your heart must become constitutionally compatible with the almighty, with the Godhead that begot you again in Jesus Christ. And you're not. Yoga and all of those infiltrations, those are contaminants. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 7, 1 tells us that. And so you have got to get yourself clear on the fact that your eternality is not about you. You're entering a world that predates you. You know, that's like, you know, you go into another nation. You're a visitor. You're a tour. God right here is that you don't visit and tour his realm. You either earn the right for entrance and access, or you don't. But it's all about your heart in the end. And Peter says it. See, I need you to hear me, because Peter talks about that, you know, the end of our faith is the saving of our soul. So our soul must be transformed into the constitutional construction and infrastructure of God himself. Because God has to make you able to survive in his world. And that's what the new new birth does. It makes you able to survive in God's world. So that's the first thing about it you need to know. This is not about you. It wasn't about you. And if you can tell me you got on the cross and you can tell me that you took 39 stripes, if you tell me that you spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and defeated the reason you need yoga, (laughs) then I'm going to believe But until you can prove that, I'm telling you that you are deceived. Now, I'm going on That's because good. this is, you don't go to heaven because of what you do in your body. Those are the sin. Those are symptoms and signs of what you believe in your heart. Oh, yeah. And on. false beliefs are not making it into God's realm because he already doomed it, and he already created a place for it. So because the end of our faith is that we get a new body, and we get a body that is compatible with God's eternal citizenry. So your body is going back to the dust, but you get a new body. Now, God's not going to put a new body on an old heart. You have to, in order for it to talk, it's kind of like when those doctors put a new heart in, your, in their chest. Mm-hmm. You understand that your new heart has got to uh, acclimate itself. Yes. 
to your entire bloodline, your entire physiological makeup. So when you get born again, you get a new heart. And if you really had a new heart, you would not be in yoga. Okay. But you could slip. Come, hallelujah. Boy, it's getting hot in here, Ashley. Okay. Sweating. I'm sweating. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm sweating. I'm on fire. Did we take your fan up? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm on fire, y'all. Woo. You like this up. Help me, God. So your new heart is not going to want what is incompatible with the Godhead. That's good. But your unrenewed mind could deceive you into thinking it's okay. Oh. And I need that. That's good. I need that. You need to understand. So you, that's why he said be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then be renewed in your heart. I have one more statement. Okay. I just want to make a note here so I can Can I remember. keep that note, though? Yeah, yeah I think you'll want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to realize there's a, that, that if you don't renew your mind, then your new heart will profit you nothing, and it will become just as contaminated as the heart God gave you, you know? Yeah. Okay? The heart he gave you. Renew your mind. And you, as you renew your mind, you change your soul. You transform your soul. Okay. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, you said you had a comment. I do. When you said that uh, we have a causeless consequence mm-hmm. society. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. How no matter what we do, it's never our fault, no matter what mm-hmm. happens. I mean, I've watched a few shows recently, and I just want to gag. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it's not my fault. how people, through a series of events, mm-hmm. get themselves into situations mm-hmm. and... When the consequences hit them straight on, uh-huh. it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. No. At all. At all. I didn't do that. No kind of culpability, no that. responsibility, no anything mm. in, in that whole process. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. so you got yourself where you are. You're, would you like to? Geritol. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Let me drink some water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other side of you. Yeah. Or just move that to the other side. Yeah. You'll mm-hmm. But you want to No, I don't need a thought. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm Sorry, I Don't mind us. Don't mind us. Just understand. <laughs> understand that every now and then we have a spring and a summer. <laughs> just a spring. I got a little spring and summer. Don't mind us. Just a little spring, a little bit of summer. Good. Some You're of good. y'all out there know what I'm talking about, okay. don't y'all? Yes. <laughs> and so with that, it's no matter how you put yourself out there, no matter how you intentionally, you like you said, you did these, all right, Prophet Dan, these rebellious, stupid things uh-huh. and never taking yeah. ownership of your part yeah. in how that even Happen to say, you know what? Yeah. You're right. If I hadn't have disobeyed, if I hadn't have told somebody off, if I hadn't have stolen mm-hmm. this car, if I hadn't have gone, gone out, down the street, gone out, up this man, yeah, that one. ten people told me wasn't going to work, 
yeah. anything, then I would not have been here. Not to uh, approve of what somebody else does, but to take responsibility for yourself. But, you know, it's time. We could do an offering now. We can. Yeah, we could do an offering, here. but I just want to leave it on this word. When you, the scenery, the neighborhood, the landscape of what you meander into is what it is. Yeah. It does what it does. It's populated by what it's populated by. The fact that you fall into it doesn't alter its routine course of life or course of events that were there before you got there. Mm-hmm. And that's what the problem is about causeless consequences. Yeah. You know, you go to work and you don't check your phone and whatever, and you don't pay attention to the fact that there's construction that, that cropped up overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to be late for work. And you can say, I didn't deserve that. No, you may not have deserved it, but you certainly earned it. You didn't deserve it because you are a good person and it should have bypassed you. But that neglect Mm -hmm. caused you to have to reap it because that's what you sold. No, that's good. And I know we have to, I know we got to wrap up, but maybe we can chase this down next time. But but I, I'm curious if you think that that is the seed that's leading us to kind of a hellless Christianity. Oh, yeah. A, you know, a, a, a consequence-less Christianity, because we could talk about it next time, but there's so many there things now that we're seeing as seeds yeah. of ultimately what we will start saying Christianity looks like and Christianity is. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that even now. We, even in a, we we had talked about our, our songs on an mm-hmm. earlier broadcast yeah. this week, you know, where everything is, it doesn't matter, right. you know, anything I did, it just gets washed over, you know, whole thing. So I'm curious if you think Yeah, we're going to talk about what the, what's under the blood and what the blood won't cover. Ooh. All right, let's get up. Wow. Right right what's All right, under the blood and what the we're blood won't cover. On that. We're going to pass the plate on that time to give. Rachel's going to put on the screen for you guys all the different ways, but I'm going to say them as well. Cash app is going to be your, her cash app tag is Dr. Paula Price, no spaces. If you're going to give via PayPal today, then it's going to be paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. And then of course, tech to give 918-608-1378. We sow into the things that we know that God is working with. God is working this ground if you were blessed by this today. And even if you're going to take from this and begin to utilize this Mm-hmm. this information to articulate this, to assimilate this, you need to sow into this Just word. Wow. Again, so those three ways, the cash app, Dr. Paula Price, no spaces, and then paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price, and then, of course, text to give 918-608-1378. Woo. And, guys, I'm cooling off. It was a hot chicken. Uh, maybe it was anointing and I didn't know, but I, whatever it was, I just caught fire up here in the Holy Ghost. Listen, let me know what you think, and please be uh, be uh, extra diligent this week in sharing. Share, 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 share. And all of those pieces on, you know, those various cultural issues we address, share them with your family and your friends and sit down. Go to a coffee shop and talk about it, etc. But by all means, don't keep it to yourself. See you Sunday. God bless. <laughs>